On the holiday of Purim, there's a mitzvah to read the Megillah twice. Once in the evening and once the following morning. And in truth, we can read the Megillah all night long. And the following day, we could read the Megillah all day long. As the Rambam, in the Laws of Megillah, chapter 1, Mitzvah 1 states, that's Mitzvah Sasei Medivrei Soifrim, it's a rabbinic commandment, a commandment that was established through the rabbis, that every man and woman, even converts, are obligated to hear the reading of the Megillah. And furthermore, a parent should be mechanich, should teach and educate and initiate that their children who are under bar and bat mitzvah to also hear the reading of the Megillah twice on the holiday of Purim. Now even though this is not one of the 613 commandments, the Rambam already said in his introduction to the mitzvahs and the minyan ha-mitzvahs that there are mitzvahs that were innovated after the giving of the Torah for example, the reading of the Megillah. <clears throat> In other words, even though there are basically seven rabbinic commandments, the Rambam mentions the first of those seven, the Mikra Megillah, the reading of the Megillah. And in the reading of the Megillah it tells us the story how Haman, in the twelfth year of the rulership, of the king Achashverosh, he pulled poor, he made a lot, he casted a lot, to find the right day to annihilate, God forbid, the Jewish people. And therefore it says at the end of the Megillah, therefore we call this holiday Purim, Al Shem Hapur, because of the lot that Haman casted upon the Jewish people. And so the question comes to mind, why is the holiday called Purim? We know that the name of an object represents the theme and the vitality of that object. For example, the holiday of Pesach is called Pesach. Why? For God passed over the houses of the Jewish people. He saved the Jewish people. That's why it's called Pesach. So why then do we call the holiday Purim, which is a time when Haman casted a lot to annihilate the Jewish people, the opposite of the miracle, the opposite of the salvation. Now there are those who say that the reason why it's called Purim is because the lot that Haman casted fell out to be in the month of Adar. The month of Adar, which is the twelfth month on the Jewish calendar, starting from the month of Nisan, the month of Passover, is considered to be the first month on the Jewish calendar. And Purim, in the month of Adar, is the final month, the twelfth month, on the Jewish calendar. And if there's a leap year, so Purim falls out to be in the 13th month.
It's always the final month of the year. So when Haman casted the lot and the month fell out to be the month of Adar, he rejoiced. He said, Aha! Moshe Rabbeinu, the savior of the Jewish people, died in this month. If that is the case, it's a lucky month. It's a good month to do away, God forbid, with the Jewish people. Says the Gemara that Haman did not realize that Moshe Rabbeinu was also born in the month of Adar. And therefore, it's a lucky month for the Jews. For the Savior of the Jews, who was the Savior the first time, will also be the Savior for all time, will protect his children from any Pharaoh and from any Haman and from any terrible individual, any demagogue who wants to destroy the Jewish people. If that is the case, so maybe that's why it's called Purim. However, it still doesn't answer the question of why it's called Purim. It happened to be that the lot fell out to be in the month of Ador. So call the holiday Ador. Call it the birth of Moshe. But why Purim, which is the actual lottery itself? And therefore we must say that there's something unique about the lottery that brings about the salvation for the Jewish people. So number one, why is it called Purim? Number two, Purim is plural. It means to cast lots, more than one lot, maybe two lots. And yet the Megillah says that why is it called Purim? Al Shem Hapur, because of the lot in the singular. So why don't we call the holiday poor? Why Purim? And thirdly, we said that the holiday of Purim and the reading of the Megillah is a rabbinic commandment. Every rabbinic commandment is based on a Torah commandment. What is the Torah commandment that this rabbinic commandment is based upon? And the answer is that the rabbinic commandment is based upon the Torah commandment of Yom Kippurim. The Rambam, in Mitzvah 49, positive commandment 49 says, that it's a mitzvah to perform the service on this holy day of Yom Kippurim. And he calls the laws, Hilchos Avedas Yom Kippurim, the Avodah the service that the Kohen Gadol, the high priest, performed on this very special day of Yom Kippurim. Now, Yom Kippurim means a day like Purim. Kippurim. It's like Purim. In other words, that there's a similarity between Yom Kippur and Purim. And there are truly at least two similarities. Number one is that Yom Kippur is also connected with a goral, with a lottery. We know that the Kohen Gadol had to choose between two goats, two he-goats. There were two he-goats that were the same in size, same in weight, and same in look. 
and they were placed in front of the Kohen Gadol, the high priest, and he drew and he casted a lot. One he-goat was supposed to be put on the altar as a sacrifice. The other he-goat was sent over a cliff. Lazazel. This was done through a lottery. What's a lottery? A lottery, we are told in Chassidus, is something that is beyond logic. It's beyond time and space. You have two he-goats. They look exactly alike. They are the same size and the same weight. Why should this one be sent onto the altar and that one be sent over the cliff? Why? Does it make any sense? Is there any logic? Is there any difference between this one or the other one? No, there's no difference. So why is one sent here and one sent there? It's the lottery. And according to the lottery, that's the way we decide. So the lottery is something truly beyond logic, beyond time and space. And not only on Yom Kippur was there a lottery, on Purim there was also a lottery, the lottery of Haman. The second connection between Yom Kippur and Purim. The day of Yom Kippur is a day of atonement. A day that God forgives us for our sins. As the Torah says the words, Lifnei Hashem Titaru. Before God shall you be purified, shall you be atoned. So the simple interpretation is, Lifnei Hashem, you're standing before God, and therefore you are purified. On a more Kabbalistic level, based on the teachings of Hasidism, we are taught that Lifnei Hashem Titaru means that why are we purified on this day? Because we ascend higher and we precede the Tetragrammaton, the four-letter name of God. Lifnei Hashem. We precede the name of God. God raises us up to a level that is beyond time and space, beyond logic, beyond good and bad. And therefore, now there's no more bad. We no longer sinned in this reality of Lifnei Hashem when we perceive the name of God. And therefore, Tutaru, we are purified. This concept that we ascend higher than the Tetragrammaton, than the name of God, is also found in Purim. How is that? Would we find that in Purim? There's an amazing thing. If you read through the Megillah, all ten chapters, you will not find the name of God mentioned once. Why not? Why is the God not mentioned once? So the halachic answer is as follows. When Mordechai and Esther wrote the Megillah, and they got permission to translate it into 127 provinces of the king. Mordechai was very concerned that if the name of God is mentioned, and God said, and God did, and God intervened, he was very concerned that the nations of the world, of the 127 provinces, that were idolaters, would change the name of God to the name of their deity. And therefore not to promote idolatry. 
amongst the nations of the world, Mordechai took out the name of God from the Megillah. That's the halachic answer. The Hasidic answer, based on mysticism and Kabbalah, is that on Purim, the revelation of God was so great that the essence of God came and saved the Jewish people. Because we are dealing here with the essence of God, a level beyond the Tetragrammaton, beyond God's name, therefore God's name is not mentioned in the Megillah. So therefore, both Yom Kippurim, the Day of Atonement, and Yom Kippur, and the holiday of Purim, both of these holidays, are associated with the fact that God's name is not mentioned. In other words, we ascend to a level beyond the name of God. We ascend lifnei Hashem, to a level beyond God, that precedes the name of God. We go to the essence of God. And by the way, these are the two interpretations of Yom Kippurim. Yom Kippurim means the Day of Atonement, L'chaper, to atone, and Yom Kippurim, the day of the lottery. And they're both true. Because it's a day of the lottery, that God raises every Jew to perceive the Tetragrammaton, the name of God, therefore it's a day of Kapara, a day of atonement. And this concept applies to Purim as well. On Purim, God raises us to a level of Lifnei Hashem, before God, and therefore there is no name of God in the Megillah. Why? Because it's a day of a lottery. It's a day of a lottery which is beyond time and space. It's beyond logic. And therefore on Purim we are forgiven for our sins, just like Yom Kippur. However, there's a difference. The question is, what is greater? Is Yom Kippur greater? Is Purim greater? And the answer is, Purim is even greater than Yom Kippur. And that's why we say Yom Kippurim, it's like Purim. Kippurim is like Purim. Yom Kippur is like Pur, but not as great as Purim. Why? How can we say that? So the answer is that on Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, how do we get atoned? Only through tshuva. In other words, the atonement is contingent on our behavior. If we will return to God, and if we will atone, and if we will regret what we did the past year, and if we will tell God I am sorry, and if we will ask God for forgiveness, yes, Yom Kippurim, I will atone you. I will forgive you. I will purify you. But if we don't do tshuva, we're not purified. On Purim, we don't have that contingency. On Purim, the day itself is such a holy day that every Jew is atoned for his sins. And this is done through joy. Not through fasting. Not through tears. Simply because of the day of Purim. 
So therefore, comes along Haman, the evil Haman, and he makes a lot. He makes a lottery to destroy the Jewish people. Why does he do a lottery? He does a lottery because he knows that within the realm of nature, within this physical world, there is no way that God is going to destroy the Jewish people. You know why? Because the Jewish people are a good people. We give charity, we pray every day three times, and we study Torah, and we come to Torah classes, and we help the poor and the needy, and we celebrate holidays like Hanukkah and Purim and Shabbos and Pesach and Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. We're always having holidays. We're always inviting guests to our home. We're all always doing mitzvahs. So there's no reason that God would want to destroy the Jewish people. And even those who are not so holy, says the Gemara, that there is no Jew that is not replete with mitzvos like the seeds of a pomegranate. Just like a pomegranate has so many seeds, every Jew, even those who call themselves not religious or not yet religious, Every single Jew did many mitzvahs in his life. He gave charity, he, he helped his mother cross the street, he helped an old lady cross the street. He did a good deed once, he heard the chauffeur, he put on film once with a mitzvah tank. He uh, made kidneys on Shabbos. He had a matzah on Pesach, he lit the candles, Hanukkah. Every Jew does mitzvahs. What do you mean? There's not one Jew who doesn't do mitzvahs. Every Jew does mitzvahs, if he knows it or not. Even on eight days old, he did a mitzvah. He was circumcised. It's also a mitzvah. We didn't ask him, we just did it. But he did a mitzvah. So every Jew has a mitzvah. You have a mezuzah on your door. Haman knew there's no way to destroy the Jewish people because even the most simple amongst the Jews are filled with so many good deeds. So what is he going to do? The only way he could do this is by making a girdle, by making a pur, by making a lottery. Why? Because a lottery raises everybody to a level beyond time and space. It's illogical. So the good and the bad, Haman and the Jew are on the same level. Now Haman and the Jew are on the same level. Oh, Haman can negotiate. He could turn the scale. And here he could effectuate, God forbid, annihilation amongst the Jewish people. And similarly, this answers why, in the story of the Megillah, Haman made a gallow 50 feet high. 50 feet high was Mordechai, so tall. He made the gallows for Mordechai, 50 feet high. Why so high? So the answer is that the number 50 we know in Kabbalah represents a number beyond time and space. A number beyond logic. 49 levels we count from Passover to Shavuos. Because man can raise up 49 levels. But the 50th level you cannot acquire on your own. That's a level that's beyond our comprehension. So therefore, Haman builds the gallows 50 feet high to a level beyond logic, beyond intellect, beyond good and bad, 
And over there he's hoping to effectuate his decree upon Mordechai and the Jewish people. So what happens? What happens? How come he's not successful? He made the goidel. He came to a place that good and bad are the same. So now, why did his ploy not work? And the answer is, we call the holiday Purim, not Purim. Because there's actually more than one lot. There's actually more than one goidel. There's a second goidel, a second lottery that's taking place at the same time. And that lottery is by God. How do we know that God has a lottery? It's a verse in Tehillim. It says, Atta Garali, You guide my lot. What is my lot? God also makes a lottery. We said earlier that a lottery means that we are dealing with two things that are equal. And yet, you choose one over the other. Not only does God do a lottery, but he chooses which one he wants in the lottery. As we say in Tehillim, Psalm number 47. We say, God choose for us our inheritance, the pride of Jacob. In other words, even though Jacob, on one hand, is in a lot, the same lottery as Esau, his brother, who is the father of Amalek, who is the father of Haman, Haman Harasha, the evil Haman. So really, in this lottery, Haman and Mordechai are together equal. We tell God, Yivchalanu, choose us over Haman. Choose Mordechai over Haman. Choose Jacob over Esau. And therefore, when God performed his lottery in this state that is beyond time and space, in this state that is beyond all configurations of God's tetragrammaton, in the state that is totally beyond logic, God has the ability to choose which one he's going to take. So because God and his poor and his lottery chose us, therefore down here, Haman also chose us. His poor fell out to be in the month of Adar, when the Savior of Israel was born, Moshe Rabbeinu. Now that Moshe Rabbeinu is born, not only did he save us in the time of Egypt, but because of his merit, we were also saved now. It all comes together. But the one question that still remains is why? Why does God choose us over Esau? Why does God choose us over Haman? Why does God choose us over Amalek if it's all about a lottery? And the answer is that we caused that choice. We promoted that choice. We made that choice happen. You know why? Because we chose God. Because we chose God, so God now chooses us. Where do we choose God? After the Goral that Haman casted 
in the month of Nisan, the twelfth year of Achashverosh's rule and reign. It said that on the thirteenth day of the month of Adar, all the people of the 127 provinces have a right to go out and plunder and destroy and annihilate the Jewish people. God forbid. Now the Jews had two choices. The first choice was become a non-Jew. Mask themselves as one of the followers of Haman. Give up their Jewish identity. Bow down to Haman's idol. Haman walked around with an idol. You bow down to Haman's idol, you survive. The whole decree came about because Mordechai did not want to bow down to the idol that Haman carried around his neck, the big getchke. Those big getchkes, you know? He didn't want to bow down to the getchke. So Haman said, you don't bow down? Why not? Because I'm a Jew. Are they more like you? Of course. There are millions of us. And there's going to be more than millions of us. We continue to get bigger and bigger every day. He says, really? Uh-uh. I've got to put an end to this. That means nobody's going to bow down to me. Therefore, he made a decree to destroy Mordechai and his people. But any one of those people of Mordechai that was willing to bow down to Haman would not be destroyed, would not be killed, would not be murdered because you're bowing down to Haman. Yet, we do not find one Jew that said, I will give up my faith. We don't find one Jew that bowed down to Haman. We don't find one Jew that said, I'd rather live as a non-Jew than die as a Jew. Every single Jew stood firm in their faith and their commitment and their dedication to God. That was Mesiris Nefesh, self-sacrifice. When God saw that every single Jew was so committed to God and Torah and Mitzvahs and Judaism, He said, if you're choosing me when it's beyond logic, you're willing to die for me. It's totally irrational. You're willing to die for me because it's beyond time and space. I have to choose you even though it's irrational, even though it's illogical, even though it's beyond time and space. And therefore we call the holiday Purim. It's because of this lot that Haman casted, that fell out in the month of Adar. All of this happened because of God's choosing us, because we really chose God. And therefore, because we choose God every day. Daniel the prophet says that when Mashiach will come very soon, the Samoid Ligoyrolcha Likates Hayamin says Daniel in the very last passage, the very last verse, the very last words, the closing words of the book of Daniel, he says, You will arise when Mashiach will come to your lottery at the end of days. That at the end of days we will see the promise of this lottery. We will see the blessing of this lottery. 
we will see how God chose through this lottery that His love to us is beyond time and space, that His love to us is immeasurable, that His love to us is eternal, just like our love to Him is immeasurable and eternal and stands strong beyond all time and space. To wish everybody a happy Purim. Amen. To read the Megillah and to hear the Megillah twice. And to make sure you feast royally. To give charity to at least two poor people. And to give Mishleach Mones gifts too ready to eat foods to at least one neighbor. And the more the merrier. And to see the ultimate Purim, the ultimate day of joy. When all the evil demagogues throughout the world, will do tshuva, will return, will repent, to realize that they had mistakes by doing all these negative things and become true God-fearing people. When the whole world will know, that God will be one and His name will truly be one.